Hey everybody, this is Tanya. Tonight's Firecast is about singleness and how it changes as we get older. One of the things that I have learned being a 41-year-old single woman and having never been married is that my needs, my goals, and my desires have changed as I've gotten older. Um, One of the things that I have run into in churches and in other organizations is that singles are typically lumped into one big group. And everyone tends to believe that all single people are desiring the very same thing because we're all single. Of course, that number one thing that they believe that singles are desiring is a relationship. And so much of the teaching that I've experienced in uh, singles ministries is typically focused on relationships and marriage preparation. I haven't honestly gotten a lot of teaching on just how to embrace the season of singleness and what to do to maximize this particular season. I've always been pointed in the direction of how to prepare for marriage, how to prepare for a relationship, how to know if you're ready, you know, uh, what qualities to seek in a spouse, uh, how to prepare your life for a spouse, different things of that nature. And I get it. I understand that for most married, for most, excuse me, most single people, they want to be married. They want a relationship. And right now they are single because of the circumstances, but not because they truly desire to be alone during the season. And so when I was a 20 something year old single, of course, my goals at that time was basically, um, trying to become independent, trying to establish a career, trying to establish education and get that completed. So marriage was not at the forefront of my mind when I was in my 20s. When I was in my 20s, I was more concerned with, you know, living my adult life outside of my parents, having my own place, you know, dating different guys, but not looking for anything real serious, you know, because when I was in my 20s, and I think a lot of people can attest to this, you don't really know who you are yet in your 20s. You're still discovering who you are. You're still learning who you are in your 20s. And I remember right before I moved out into my own apartment, a friend of mine told me that once you have your own place, you learn a lot about yourself. And I never really understood what that meant until I actually got my own place. And once I got my own place, this is when I realized, you know what? you do learn a lot more about yourself because you are by yourself. You're not surrounded with people. You're not being parented because even if you're an adult, your parents still parent you. You're not being parented and you're truly on your own. You start to learn some of your different habits and tendencies. You start to really develop a sense of self because you are pretty much you know, on your own. And so when I was in my 20s, I didn't really know what I wanted in a man. I definitely did not know what I wanted in a spouse. Um, I come from a very healthy family. My parents are married and will be married for 45 years in February. And so I came from a healthy background where I saw marriage firsthand. But even as an adult and in my 20s, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted and what I was seeking in a spouse or even a boyfriend because I didn't really know who I was. And so I firmly believe that 
until you really know who you are, you really don't know what you want in someone else. So in my 20s, I spent most of that time just trying to get my life established, trying to learn um, what the real world adult experience was like, uh, supporting yourself, working, um, going to school, purchasing your, you know, your first vehicle on your own without, you know, your parents having to co-sign anything. You just doing it on your own. So a lot, you know, there are a lot of firsts that took place when I was in my 20s as far as adulthood was concerned. So once I got into my later 20s, that is really when I started thinking seriously about marriage. Probably around 27, 28. That's really when I started thinking seriously about marriage. And even then, again, I don't know what I'm looking for in a husband. I know, you know, the qualities that I like in a guy, but do these qualities actually, you know, lead to a long-term marriage, spouse relationship? You know, does, you know, I, I know that I like guys that are funny. I know that I like guys that are sensitive. I know that I like to be, you know, treated like a lady and all these different things. But how does that parlay into a spouse? You know, are these qualities that are, will work in my life for the rest of my life, you know, till death do us part? And so, I didn't really have um, a lot of, you know, friends in my life that were in stable marriages. A lot of my friends at that time were in marriages, but they were not stable. A lot of my friends were divorced by the time we hit our late 20s. And so I didn't really have examples outside of my parents. I didn't really have examples of healthy marriages around me um, because none of my friends really successfully stayed married at that point. And so... In my later 20s, I knew I wanted to get married. I knew the desire to have a family of my own was very strong, but I just didn't really know the route to go as far as how to really, you know, look for that. And what what does that look like? What does a husband for me actually look like? What should I be looking for as far as husband qualities, not just guy qualities and not just boyfriend qualities? What should I be looking for as far as a husband, a spouse, a life partner? And those were things that I just did not know. I took cues, of course, from my parents. My dad is an excellent provider. He's always been an excellent caretaker of us. He loves my mom. He nurtures my mom. He, you know, he takes good care of her. I knew that looking at my dad, that, you know, I knew some qualities that I would want in a husband, but, you know, I still didn't know exactly what that looked like for me, for me as a person. And so once I turned 30, uh, I started attending a church, a different church from my parents' church because I grew up in their church all my life. And back in those days, they didn't have life groups. They didn't have marriage groups and singles groups and things of that nature. And so I didn't have a life group. I didn't have um, people that I could you know, surround myself with that were in a similar season of their life. If we just happened to be friends, that was fine, but there was not a group dedicated to that sort of thing back then. And so once I turned 30, I started going to a different church that was a young church with young people, young pastor. It was just a very young ministry. And so I went from being in a church environment where there were lots of married couples to a church environment where it was majority singles. And on top of that, it was majority single women. So in my 30s, you know, once I got to this particular church and really started to learn more about God's word 
and really learning about the Bible and what the Bible spells out about a husband and a wife and their roles and their characteristics, that's when I was able to really kind of narrow down, you know, specific traits and qualities that I was looking for in a mate. And so this really, this really helped me as far as my prayers were concerned, you know, as far as really, you know, um, knowing what to ask God for in a husband. I started to learn more about that. Of course, with the age of, of YouTube and live streaming, you know, really becoming very popular then, I was able to find other pastors and teachers that taught on singles, singleness and, and marriage. And so I was able to really grow and be edified in those areas because I never had that before. My parents married when they were very young. So my parents really couldn't tell me much about singleness. You know, they really couldn't really, they couldn't really teach me much about it because they, they never lived it. They got married when they were like 22. And so they didn't really live a quote unquote single life. They weren't 30 and single. They weren't 35 and single. And so they could not really help me in that area. So I had to go to other people, other leaders and teachers that could really help me understand, you know, how to navigate through this season of singleness. Uh, Because when you're in your 20s, it's fun being single. You know, once upon a time, it used to be a lot of fun being single. It used to be a lot of fun dating and, and, and just having a good time. But now, you know, our culture has changed. Our world has gotten much darker, much more violent, uh, much more dangerous. And so dating is not as fun in 2018 as it was back in 1998. You know, it wasn't, it's not as fun as it was back then. And so, now you have to use so many precautions and things that you didn't have to use back then. And you have to use a lot of discernment. You have to be prayerful nowadays before going on dates. You just really have to step up your game so that you do protect yourself and that you use a lot of wisdom, wisdom that we didn't have back in our 20s, but we didn't really need as much of it because the culture was much different. The times were much different. So now we're in, you know, I'm in my 30s now. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to really understand marriage and what it looks like, you know, to God, what it looks like in the Bible, what it should represent in my and my spouse's life, you know. And so I really started drilling down and, and, and looking at those things. But, you know, at the same time, I couldn't keep all my focus on marriage. I also had to focus on how to be a better me, how to be a better Tanya, You know, what do I need to improve in my life so that I can be a better person for the one that I do marry? So I spent a lot of time in my 30s just really trying to to get my life together in terms of making sure I was financially stable, making sure that, you know, um, that I had goals that I had to accomplish, you know, whether it was finishing my education, uh, whether it was, you know, advancing in my career, uh, whether it was operating in ministry, serving in, in the kingdom, whatever it was that, you know, I needed to do in my 30s, I wanted to make sure I drilled down, down on that. I wanted to make sure that I was healed from any past relationship hurts. I wanted to make sure that, um, that you know, any type of fears or any type of trust issues or any type of, 
you know, submission issues. You know, once you've been single for so long, you kind of get used to running the show and calling your own shots. And then, you know, it's hard to now defer that to someone else in marriage. And sometimes thinking about that can be overwhelming because once you are used to doing things a certain way, your way, then it's hard to just hand the reins over to a husband to do it, you know, um, to do it for me when I know that I like things a certain way. And so the idea of submitting, the idea of having to check in with somebody about my whereabouts, whereas all my life, you know, after I left home, I never had to do that. You know, if I wanted to get up and go somewhere, I went. If I wanted to travel and go out of town, I went. If I wanted to work over, stay late. If I wanted to go to a friend's house, if I wanted to go out with my friends after work, I just did it. So then the idea of, you know, having to, you know, check in with somebody because their life is important to you as well. It's not about your own life anymore. It's now, it's going to be about someone else's life too. It's not just going to be about you. I didn't have children, so I didn't have to be accountable to kids. It was just me. And so now, you know, you're thinking about, okay, how does that look? You know, I'm so used to coming and going. How will I feel if, you know, I, my friends ask me to do something and I already have plans with my husband or I have to, you know, ask him, you know, and let him know, you know, what these plans are before I go out and do them. I can't just jump up and go anymore. I can't just, you know, decide, hey, I want to start a business and not tell my husband. I, I can't, you know, just decide I want to go and get another degree and not tell my husband, you know, and, and sit down and discuss how this will impact our family. It's like, wow, when you think about that kind of stuff, it can get very overwhelming at times. And so these were things that I really had to take into consideration. But I was also at an age where I was ready. I was more ready to do that. In my 20s, I was selfish. I did not really want to, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to give anything to anybody. I did not want to sacrifice anything for anyone. I was all about self and, and making sure I had the best life I could possibly have and have the most fun that I could possibly have. So at, in my 30s, I was more ready. I was more ready to kind of relinquish some of that be less selfish, be less self-centered. I was ready to be more, you know, focused on the life of somebody else instead of just my own. And so that was in my 30s. And so then when I get to, I'm 41 now, so I'm just barely in my 40s. So I can't, <laughs> I can't really say what the 40s are actually like yet. I'm still learning myself. But I, I learned that even in my 40s, you know, I, I understand that the needs that I have in my 40s are just much different now than even th than it was in my 30s. You know, in my 40s, I'm, I'm at a place where I know who I am. I know what I want. I'm comfortable with who I am. Because see, when you're younger, sometimes you're just not comfortable with who you are. Sometimes you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, what your style is, what your niche is. You know, you're trying to figure out some of these things. But now I'm in my 40s. I know exactly what my niche is. I know exactly what my strengths and my weaknesses are. I know exactly what I want. I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm not no, I'm no longer trying to win people's approval. I'm no longer trying to impress people. I am who I am. In fact, my Facebook page says, uh, it's a scripture from first Corinthians 15. I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's really who I am. You know, I am who I am. And so, um, 
of course, there's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. But there are certain aspects of my personality that I accept. You know, I'm no longer trying to conform to what, you know, seems to be accepted. But I now accept who I am because I understand that there are certain facets of my personality created by God. And so there's a reason why I am the way I am. And it's because he created me to be that. And I'm going to be the right fit for the right people. You know, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And that's one thing you have to remember. You're not going to be for everybody, but you will be for somebody. There will be a group of friends. There will be a, a spouse. There will be a relationship where you will be the perfect fit for that particular situation. And so I understand that there are parts of me that are perfect for the right environment and the right circumstances. And so do our needs change as singles as we get older? I do believe it does. I don't think that uh, relationship teaching is the only thing that should be on our mind. I don't think that marriage should be the only thing that's on our mind. I do believe that there are specific assignments and specific goals that we need to accomplish in every decade of our life. Now, you may not be single as long as me. You know, I'm 41 years old and single. You may get married at 30. You may get married at 25. You may get married at 37. You know, God has a, a unique plan for everybody's life. And so your single season may not be as long as mine, but there are some people who have been single longer than me. I know singles in their 50s, you know, that have never been married. And so therefore, you know, you can't really just put a time frame or a time limit on God's plan for your life, you know, because he has everything in your life already orchestrated and set up to occur at specific points in time. And so if we really want to stay on his particular timeline and not our own, then, you know, sometimes we have to wait and sometimes we just have to do it his way. And it may not be the way we imagine. I never imagined myself single at 40. I never imagined myself not having a family at 40 years old. Nobody in my family has ever, you know, nobody in my immediate family has ever done that. My parents were grandparents by the time they were 41. You know, my niece was born when I was in 10th grade, you know. So my parents were 41 and they were grandparents. My sister already had two children at 41 years old. And so I'm the only one in my family who's been in this particular season of life at 41 years old. And so my needs are different. My desires are different. Even the way I go about living my life is different simply because of where I am in my life. But did I picture it that way? No. Did I want it to be this way? Absolutely not. I thought for sure I would have all of that locked down by now. But you know what? God has a different plan. It's not because I haven't pursued him. It's not because I haven't prayed about it. It's not because I have not been proactive on my end to uh, put myself in a position to meet people or to date or any of that. It is simply because it's not time. When you've done everything that God has asked you to do and required you to do, then it's simply just not time. And that's a hard thing for us to accept because when it comes to the things that we truly desire, we don't have a problem with how it's going to come, where it's going to come, who it's going to come through. We have the biggest problem with the when. It's when, the W-H-E-N, that part of the process is the hardest part, the when. When is it going to happen for me? It's happening for everyone else, but when is it going to happen for me? It seems to be everybody else's time, but it seems to never be my time. So when is it going to happen for me? And that is the hardest part. 
of any process is the win, especially when you feel like you've been waiting a long time. There's some of us who have felt like we've always been on the sidelines cheering for everyone else. And it seems to always be their moment. But when is it going to be our moment? And, you know, all we can do is just continue to trust God, even when we don't understand All we can do is continue to trust him because he has a master plan. I'm telling you, regardless of what age we get married, that the same joy of of, uh, bringing our life together with somebody else, that same joy of joining our lives with somebody for the rest of our life, that same joy is there, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I've seen blushing brides at 60, you know, that same joy is still there. So it's not that you enjoy it more when you're younger than you do when you're older. You enjoy it differently. I enjoy life differently at 41 than I did at 21. The things that I thought were fun at 21, I don't think they're fun at 41. And the things that I do think are fun at 41, I probably would not have thought they were fun at 21. And so we change, we evolve. So our needs change, your friendships change as you get older. There are going to be some friends that you're going to remain friends with for Uh, you know, the rest of your life or at least for the next 20 or 30 years. But then there are going to be some friends that are only going to be in your life for maybe five years, maybe some six months, maybe some 10 years. Your friendships do change. And so, you know, everybody is not going to be right for the season of life that you're in right now. They're not. You know, they might have been great when you were 25, but now you're 35 and your focus is different. Your mind is different. Your circumstances are different. And they're just not where you need them to be. They're just not appropriate for this season of your life. They were good for the season that you were in. And and even as you get older, your friendships, your friendships are going to change. Not all, but a lot of them are going to change. And I applaud those ladies that have been friends with the same group since they were in fifth grade and they're now 40 years old and they still have the same group of friends. That's awesome. When you can have a group of friends that grow with you like that, that's great. But not everyone will have that. Not everybody will have that. And so you have to just... um you know, allow God to introduce the right people into your life at the right time that can give you what you need right now, that can give you what you need and for you to give them what they need right now. And if you part ways in the future, then that's okay too, you know, but God is going to introduce some new people into your life. He's got a, he's got a tribe for you. He's got a group of people for you that fit the season of your life. One of the most dangerous things we could do is to keep people around too long. And we tend to do that. We tend to keep people around way too long. And and we feel like we're just dragging them around and carrying them around with us. And we're afraid to let go when, you know, God has already shown us that we should have let that person go a long time ago. So don't be afraid to allow people to walk out of your life. And don't be afraid to allow people to distance themselves from you because these things do happen. They happen. If you sought the Lord in prayer and you know that nothing happened between you two to cause this, you know, cause a rift or anything like that, then it's simply just a matter of their time in your life is up. So, yes, being single, 20s, 30s, 40s, it changes. It changes. It changes. Uh, I don't know what the 40s will hold for me. I don't know what the 50s will hold for someone else, you know, as far as singleness is concerned. But I do know that as I look back over my life, uh, 